comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Yes, I am. And Trevor, we are quickly rounding on our 300th episode. A lot quicker than what I was expecting. So, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing for 300. As I said, we may just skip 300 for for a few weeks and then we'll come back to it. Like We'll see. We'll see. We have not decided- uh, Maybe 300 will do it packs. Like, that could be a bit Save of fun. 300 like, packs. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. That's yeah. not a bad idea. But tonight, we are not at 300. We're at 298, I believe. And uh, I actually have some ideas to pitch. That I thought we could talk about. We're just gonna we're just gonna breeze over the fact that last week's episode was a was a weird one that we got uh, we got hold was, of that. Yeah, we just we got a hold of that that interesting pilot uh, of that reality TV show. Uh, I don't think uh, the reason we were able to get it is because they they weren't able to do more than one episode because that they essentially rushed out Cross Stitch Hero and just tanked. Um, but, so, which is know, surprising because couldn't really I mean, stretch that, it into a full full season. But that that um that Janet she had some great ideas. Like she was my favorite character. Uh, I was I, I kind of like Jamal. No, Jamal was pretty. When cool. he you know he's quiet, but when he spoke up, he really had something to say. Oh. It, we forgot to say we had full video of this this thing. Like Jamal was the 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 coolest coolest cat, and he was on screen all the time. Yeah, I mean you kind of couldn't take your eyes off him. Yeah, but anyway, he, go back and listen to yeah. that episode if you if you missed it. Uh, it is quite interesting. Maybe we'll see if that production company has done anything else in future. Maybe we'll get our hands on uh, on other episodes where they've gone into other game companies. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that'd, that'd be, be kind of fun. But, uh, no, tonight we're, we're going to do some of our, you know, usual game design, improvised game design sort of stuff. I had some ideas this week that I wanted to bring up with Trevor and he doesn't know anything yes. about them except that they, that they are, uh, factory sort games. Of factory automation type games, uh, along the lines of like a Satisfactory or a Factorio or, you know, they're, they're becoming more and more popular. Dyson Sphere program. Um, yeah. I need, I need to actually get, have a bit of a play of Dyson Sphere program. I've heard yeah, good things. It's pretty good. I haven't gone that far into it. Um, and it can, it's a bit of a slow start, but. Uh, I, yep. I like the some of the way the ways that they're built. So I have I have three different sort of ideas. Um, they're not full fledged games or anything, which is but that's why I'm bringing them here. So the first one is essentially a tower defense game. Okay, but to build and move the towers, you are automating systems in some mm-hmm. way. Um, so I'm I'm thinking that this is probably you know a, a, a relatively more simple game than a lot of the the factory games out there. It's not necessarily yep. that you're going through many many tiers of of products and and things that you're building, but I think you've at least got raw materials that you're extracting in some way, building conveyors or whatever to combine them into constructors, and then you can tell those constructors to build particular types of towers, mm-hmm. and then you have to send those towers to their destination along conveyors yeah or you could potentially even have just they stay on the conveyors forever and are attacking the enemies as they Mm. move around what i do like about a that you have to deliver them to a to a location is then the then the conveyors can actually restock them with ammo Mm. yeah that's not so actually because what i like is you kind of say okay this is where i want to put it so you gotta you gotta have the conveyor doing that but then once the conveyor sort of drops it off the back then it's got a spot in there to drop ammo into the back of it yep and drop you know like if you want to upgrade it you have to send the upgrade components down the down the conveyor yep and (laughs) 
I almost like the idea that each of these, uh, you know, towers are actually self-sufficient in the fact that, you know, once they're there, everything just comes in via the conveyor. Yeah. If if you're sending down, um, say, upgrade components via the conveyor, you may actually need to protect those those components on along the conveyor the with, along the way because, like, this is yep. high-value targets and there may be some- <laughs> Okay, yeah. I like the idea of yeah, you put some you put some high value uh, upgrade components on the conveyor, and then it's like okay, and now put a tower on the conveyor, and that tower as it goes <laughs> will protecting- protect them. Um, <laughs> so as you were saying that, I had an idea, which is not exactly along the same lines. But what if to build anything, you had to send it out along your conveyors, including the conveyors themselves? Yep. So essentially, you have just one fucking object one one building that can spit things out and you can maybe put it in any of the spots put them in any of the spots around you but you have no way of like drawing out a conveyor you have to say put a straight conveyor out that way okay and it just plonks there because there's nowhere else for it to go okay put another straight conveyor out there it goes along that first conveyor and then plonks at the end (laughs) and essentially you're building up these conveyors by sending out other conveyor blocks until eventually you you know, maybe put something at the end, whether it is a tower or whatever, um, send a tower out along it. Um, that could be an interesting little twist on how or you build you, out you your can, factory. You can draw out, like, this is what I actually want to do with these these things. You draw it out, but the, the way that, like, the conveyor gets built is that you go, okay, I want to draw, I want to do the conveyor that it's, you know, this many long and then it turns here and then it becomes this many mm. long and it just, it puts down the pieces and automatically when it gets to the end, it just drops yeah, off the end. Yeah, I guess it depends end, on, I think there are two ways you can do it. If, if you're going more, like, if you're doing that first tower defense game, then yeah, you probably still want to be able to draw them out and, like, then it's almost more of just a visual and, lo- and logistical thing of, there. everything's developed here and it has to go along the conveyors to get there. I think there's room for a, almost a different sort of game though, where it's more, almost an arcadey thing. I'm, it, it almost gives me Tetris vibes in a way or something like that, where it's like, what am I building next? What's the next piece that I'm sending out along the conveyor? And if you make a mistake, well, you just have to live with that mistake and try to correct it, right? Like, it's like, oh shit, I didn't mean to send out a left turn. I meant to send out a right turn because, you know, my orientation was off because the conveyor is already heading in that mm-hmm. direction at the end. And so now I have to do a loop and, <laughs> you know, essentially building out this factory in real time, reacting to things, but just one piece at a time could be kind of cool uh as its own little arcadey kind of thing yeah um i quite like that idea and just the 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 general feel of of a tower defense game that maybe a little bit slower paced like i think if we go back to the tower defense thing i think that is a little bit more slower paced you've got but it's got you've got waves of enemies that are coming down either at least like through bottleneck sort of things or because, you know, in, in in the classic Flash ones, they'd come along a very specific path or whatever. But then you've got things like, um, I kind of remember what they're called now, but um, where it's more open and you just get mm-hmm. swarms of them coming in and, you know, they're, but they're going to come from this direction or that direction or whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what I can sort of see is- if ammo management becomes a little bit more of a, a mm. thing of you've now got to go, okay, so we need to upgrade this. Well, we've got the only type of conveyor going out to this particular tower is a, is a type one, which is very slow, yep. but it can, 
it can handle, you know, uh, the big bulky objects and, and that sort of stuff. But right, if you put the types, if yeah. you put the bigger stuff on the faster stuff, it can actually topple off. Like, and or so you just, need someone yeah, to. Yeah, like, or there's just a weight limit on it or something. Like, you know, the, the, the type twos can go over like up terrain or something, but they can't take heavy stuff versus the type ones, which can, but they, you know, you can't raise them up or something. Having yeah. those sorts of limitations to really be strategic around, uh, yeah, around where you put conveyors. And, and I type. like the idea that, you know, these are smart conveyors and that they can automatically sort of split things off. You know, if, I think if you, you say to, that you want, yeah. if you say I want, you know, this to make it over to here and it has to go down, you know, you can sort of draw the path that you want it to go. Yeah, you know, either it'll that automatically or you just go have there. to, because I do like there being a little bit of almost plate spinning sort of thing of it's like, okay, I need to get a tower, you know, over to there and I want it to like go off the side of the conveyor at that point that you have to wait until it's there and maybe like click on it to say, okay, deploy it off to, the, you know, off to that side. And then it, it will take ammo or whatever off that conveyor that it's next to, um, but that you can't just set it and forget it. You kind of have to be like, all right, it's going to take, tw- you know, 20 seconds for it to go along those, you know, because it has to be the type ones because mm-hmm. t- towers are heavy or whatever. I'm doing other stuff over here, like trying to figure out other things. So I need to remember and keep an eye I'm on that. I'm researching ammo so that I can yeah, you know, whatever build it, it in bigger lots. And It's like, ah, oh, shit, it went past where I wanted it to go. Is it like, do I deploy it here? Do I let it go to the end? Do I, yeah, H- having to make those decisions and sort of deal with your mistakes to the best of your ability. Yeah. It's cool. Because Satisfactory is in a 3D, you know, first person style. Yeah. I, I do like the idea of seeing the ammo going off. And and being able to sort of build your um your conveyor belts in you know yeah, rather maybe, spaghetti I'm, ways maybe I'm kind of I actually feel like this one and, and out of all my ideas this is the only one that could work in two D but I feel like this could maybe be a bit more, a bit more of a either a two D or just like an isometric three D or something um, I so like you the get idea more of having of that it over overhead sense of where they're coming from, where your, like, attack zones are. I, I, I think you could actually do sort of like a hybrid, that when, you, when you're when you sitting in your back tower, then it goes to, like, an over, mm. overarching view, and then you can just get out and, and you know, sort of um, have a play with- I guess my only Anytime issue that is- you're actually doing things with, with the conveyors and that sort of stuff, you're, like, you're having to do it from down the bottom, you know, you can plan it out from up the top, but then when you're actually doing the work, you're like, okay, I want it to go here. And then when you get back in, you go, oh no, I needed it needed it to be one more block back. And so you got that yeah, sort of disconnect. Something, there's something to be said for the disconnect between your overhead planning and then being on the ground to do it. Yeah. Um, that's almost just another. A, a feature it's, in it's itself like a, that could it's be It's a spatial awareness. Yeah. Of- but I feel like, I feel like the benefit, I feel like because so much of what we've talked about is around you're just sending stuff out on the conveyors and that's kind of how it has to work. Being able to run around then it will make you feel like, oh, but I just want to build something here because I'm here and I'm pointing at it or whatever. Um, or like, can I carry the stuff over there? Whereas if it's just stuck on that isometric view, it's more like, oh, okay, no, I'm just in the planning seat. I can send stuff out from my deployment center or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and like, yes, maybe you're like, you can set, you can radio signal things. So like, it could be that, oh, the tower's at the right spot on the conveyor to deploy. Okay. Send it a signal to like jump off and deploy or whatever. But, um, yeah. But anyway, I, I do like that idea of 
the spatial awareness thing. And well, let, let's move on then, because maybe that idea can come into my next one. Okie dokie. Uh, which is even broader than the last one. But it, this one, I'm definitely thinking of much more in the sort of satisfactory first person building sort of thing, but with very physical ways of sending all your stuff around. I'm talking springs, ramps, um, funnels that they go back. Almost, almost that your all of your uh, getting your resources around is almost like a huge Rube Goldberg machine. I want, I want when this factory is in full motion. I want you to look around and see just like series of things flying through the air because they've gone down the ramp to be fired off a pin, you know, off a off a yeah. uh, pinball bumper to be caught over there in the funnel, go down. A but you have that tube. that sort of thing where they're crossing. That's it. I, I want them to be. I want it. <laughs> yeah, my ideal situation with this, like what I really got in my head, is the perfectly. Um, clockwork uh, factory where there are two two streams of things crossing paths in midair, one going, the other going, one going, the other going, like just interlocking with each other as these things fly through the air. Uh, but I definitely want them all physically simulated. If you get that timing off, then they will collide in the air and just fall to the ground and whatever, smash everywhere. So, yeah, I think expanding on that just more physically interesting ways to kind of get your resources across the map than just the standard sort of conveyors or trucks or whatever. I'm going to throw a word out here that is basically, you can take it or leave it. Okay. But I think that this is a marble factory. So, uh, yeah, I think there's- So that they're all round objects, basically. So, where yeah, what I was thinking about that is- I was basically thinking that you pack your resources into marbles, basically, into these, like, round containers. Okay. Um, yep. So that you can still have your different resources. And it might be that different types of resources, you know, certain things can be packed into these round things and go down, whatever. I was also thinking, okay, other things are in, like, pneumatic tubes, like the letter delivery sorts of things. Um, and so they have to have, like, a different system of things to get around. Um, and that gives you different opportunities for, like- uh, going up like the round stuff. You're mostly gonna. It's mostly gonna need to be going downhill to get up momentum or whatever. I think you'd have like launches or whatever rather than just basing it solely on getting yeah. so energy down a hill. But I was thinking uh, it, those baseball uh, baseball yes. launches that have that have the two you know spinning discs that yep. just funk, 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 yes, like you can definitely. I hadn't thought of that. I was thinking more of like a pinball like spring thing, but yeah, that makes even more sense that they go through it and it just like gives them that huge velocity and fires them off. Yeah, um, I'm imagining that the funnel is sort of like you know allowing things to come on down. You can set up timing for you know fire this every every yep. x number of seconds, but of course, but that could back things up like. If, if you're producing too fast, you know, further down the chain. Yeah, definitely. And, and and I think you can set things up. I think there's very little variance. I think you want it that when it goes through one of those things, it fires off the exact same physical force and direction pretty much every single time so that you're not having to put like a huge funnel at the other end to, to you know, um, catch the, the slight variance in, uh, in direction that they might go coming out of that. Yeah, because you could go a, a lot of places like, okay, you need to make sure that the air conditioning isn't going every- <laughs> You know, You've because got like that, a fan that, blowing that's gonna, yeah, just cha- just change the course a little bit. Yeah, that's why you need. Such but a big having funnel. said that, like 
I can see a situation where it's it's there's like there are pinball bumpers in midair where it's like you fight it out of the baseball fire thing and then you've got a very precise like pinball bumper that changes its direction by ninety degrees because it angles it off um, <laughs> and then it goes you know into a pit you know fucking I don't know a water thing that drains every five minutes to send everything through. Uh, so I think weight comes into this mm-hmm. so that each. Each thing is sort of like, okay, if you're sending, I know, I'm going to, I'm going to go with satisfactory sort of things. Yeah. Like if you're sending iron out, it's going to be a lot heavier than if you're, if you're sending out like the equivalent of caterium or whatever. Yeah. Like just, just from the fact of like, you can't get as much caterium in, in weight or whatever. Or yeah, it would depend you got on- biomass in, in this one that is like, uh, a lot lighter, lighter than. Yeah. As long as that wasn't going to mess up your, your things, but I could see an interesting thing where. Depending on the weights, as long as you've got an idea of what each weight thing will be, some things are going to go further and some things are going to go less. And so you can have your different collectors at the points that, like, you don't you don't need to filter everything coming down this ramp because the heavier stuff's going to, like, not go as far. And so you've got a catcher there ready for things that are iron weighted, you know, yeah. that are one ball full of iron, but the biomass is going to go flying further and you've got something else to catch that down the line. Like, it's almost your sorter, but by weight- um, that's actually kind of cool. That could be really yeah. fun. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it will have to do with, you know, you got those, those sort of, um, I, I mean, effectively, there's going to be a huge marble run in yeah. which. Well, and I was just know, thinking, I was trying to think of things a reason- going down, down like. I was trying to think of a reason why you could have big spirals, uh, that where you can see the marbles or the the balls going down the things, or yeah, like back and forth. I wonder if there's a time based aspect as well of like you actually don't want it to get but from A to B too quickly. Like there's a reason that it has to take a minimum amount of time. It's like, oh, we're sending fucking glue and it has to cure or something. Like, I don't know, like <laughs> some sort of reason or it, or it has to ferment on the way. So, f- And maybe that's only for certain materials or certain things that you've built, but it's like, oh, now you've got an excuse to slow things down and make them interesting and fun to watch um, <laughs> as these things drop off something and launch something else up and <laughs> yeah i i can just imagine like when you when you start realizing that oh this factory that you've that you've got this is all the room that you you've actually got you've just got to make all these things work within within like smaller amounts of space it's like oh at the start oh i've got this whole factory that i can i can build all this stuff in it's yep. like okay and now we're We've been told that we need to now process this thing and it needs to reach down this end of the building. And it's like, yeah. oh, oh shit. And you can't, you can't really change anything that you put in there. Like, yeah, I mean, at least not without like restarting or, you know, like redoing whole sections of it or something. Yeah. I do like that. You, you're giving me really good segues here, Trevor, because I think that actually brings me into my third idea. <laughs> See, I, I literally do not know what he's talking about no. now. We- Joe has no idea what, what I've come up with. So, talking about limited space, mm-hmm. and you you sort of inspired me on this one in a bit because you've been setting up all these nice satisfactory factories where all of the, like, processing stuff kind of happens under the, under the floors or whatever, and then you just have these nice outputs and things going. My idea was a, was a, a game where a big part of the gameplay is hiding away the automation, like the the dirty, the, the the messy parts of the automation, and just spitting out the results 
to the people who actually see it. So I'm thinking like some sort of facility, whether it's like a school or a hospital or something that has different requirements in different rooms or whatever. And then you're building all this stuff that's under the basement that is conveyors and tubes and things to like, maybe it's like taking the dirty laundry and putting it into the washer and then it gets spat out onto a conveyor and gets sucked up here and like dried through a dryer or whatever. But all you want the people upstairs to see is- dispense clean laundry like that's all you know yeah and so yeah i i I like that idea that does bring in that oh i've got limited space to make this work i can have it spill out above you know a bit more maybe you get some ugly pipes coming up to actually deliver it to the top floor or whatever or different things but you get penalized for that in some way um and so it's all about kind of really presenting this neat and tidy facade over the messy under the floor automation. I happening. do like the idea as long as the the you almost get penalized for it looking too good underneath. Like <laughs> maybe because there, yeah. there's there's something about a let's game it out of absolute spaghetti. It doesn't matter how well, it I is. I think I think uh, I mean I think maybe you could have scores for how spaghetti it is basically or like how messy it is. I think you definitely want to let people because the challenge is going to be, okay, how can I make this really tight and nice and efficient even downstairs? But I think the gameplay pressures we put on them make that really difficult. Um, just in, in where the inputs and outputs are, you've got some that are just fixed and there's just no real good way to like combine these things or get them past each other without like doing some weird up over the top or like spaghetti-ish sort of directional things. Okay, there's not enough room in the basement, but there's a crawl space above the room that yes. you can sort of fire something up the wall across the crawl space down. That's and it. Then- I definitely want that sort of thing. Like, it's not just, oh, everything's below and you need to get it ahead. It's like hiding things in the walls and- <laughs> There's a cupboard over here. Over it. There's, there's a cupboard here, and <laughs> it's it's really quite deep. Just half half the half that, and just you know that's a that's a perfect. Oh, I was literally thinking you meant not not a built-in cupboard, just a like wardrobe that's sitting there, and someone opens it up, and they're just looking into the more of the machine. Like there's just a conveyor belt because you've cut open the back of the wardrobe. Well, you could do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that idea actually of it, it's, it's scored based on how the, cause I'm thinking you've got sort of a full basic simulation upstairs of the people who are needing this stuff, right? Like in a way, it's, it's something you don't see a lot in these automation games, but it's their part of the system, but they're an uncontrolled part of the system where, yeah, you do deliver them clean laundry or food or tools or whatever. And you've got no control over how they use them and when they throw them out or when they, you know, how, when they do soil their laundry or, or, or put their dirty plates in or whatever. Like it's not a fixed, you get X per second. It's based on that simulation that's running sort of upstairs in the actual facility. The other thing I was thinking is this could be almost a puzzle game of you were given, here's where things need to make make yep. it from here's where they get entered like just make it work i think it definitely is a bit more puzzleish and i think i think we early on bring in more of the sort of circuitry type stuff which often in in automation games comes in quite a lot later um and satisfactory doesn't really do anything with that at all i don't think have they done anything in the later tiers with like detecting things and having that you can have smart splitters and that sort of stuff where right where you can do literally uh if you get if you get this, send it over here. Send everything else down. Right, overflow but it's more over just here. About, and- yeah, okay. I'm thinking things more like 
if there's, you know, three plates on this sensor, then trigger the trapdoor that sends it down and starts processing it or whatever, right? Like, and, and also has a connection to the next phase to like turn it on or, or different things like that, where it's more yeah. about, yeah, different sensors that then trigger other things. Cause yeah, I think that would make more sense because it's a much more reactive automation that you're building it's not the inputs to your automation are less predictable uh and so for it to be efficient you kind of need to be able to sense things and and trigger things based on that yeah um i do i do like the idea of like an individual level could be um okay we need to get the dirty laundry wash it and send it out over here you set that up and then they go okay that's going really really well what we what we now need to do is um while you're washing that laundry we need to use that water to to like wash these dishes yeah. so the dishes are going to come down through this thing go into a conveyor and then we need to clean dishes over here and yeah. they just add little things as, as they go and the idea is that it's just this is the next thing you need to just make it fit within your within mm. your mm. section okay the the water, um, the ex- extra excess water can actually be used to to fill these toilets over here. Yep. So take the water out of here and and put it up here. Oh, now we now we need some of that water, you know, for the garden. So therefore, you know, you need to siphon some of it off. Go yep. over here, and finally, you're you're building this whole thing up, and that's just one one, one level. level and it's like, and then your your character goes into the next. The next building. I think that works as well like- as like a campaign mode. I definitely want just a sandboxy sort of thing as well. Um, or maybe it's just that the last level is like everything's unlocked. It's like a huge fucking prison or something. I don't know if I'd want to do a prison, but like I'm trying to think of what would be really this large building up above that has many, many different needs. Um, that then you, yeah, you've sort of got free reign to solve it however you want and you just you just want to get it all working efficiently. Um, but I definitely do like that idea of introducing things more slowly and bit by bit to teach sort of how all these systems work together. Um, and I think a big part of it needs to – I want it to be – I don't want it to just be like, oh, well, this room has – um, you know, there's the laundry chute that you eventually, you know, hook the laundry conveyor up to. I want that to be even more, um, customizable where you've got even p- potentially different levels of sort of clean facades. Like the first one you get yeah. just like spews laundry out into the room, clean laundry or something out into the room. It's like, well, this is messy, but it's cheap and it gets it there. And then the next one is like a, a dumb waiter sort of thing where they see it pull up, but they're still seeing the pulleys and stuff, but at least it's there not neat, neat and folded. And then the like super high tech last one is uh, a beautifully finished thing that has lights on it or whatever and they you know open the door to it and the laundry's just there and it's all cleanly pressed and steamed or whatever and so it's basically you're getting to the point where as far as all the people upstairs are concerned it's all magic it just works magically just whatever they need is there when they need it but you scratch below the surface and like view your side of things and it's just this <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's this massive machine of things working in all these different ways yeah i like yeah. it yeah okay i don't really want to finish there so we're gonna do one more thing we're gonna go three to one movie okay that's fair. Uh, for those who haven't listened, this is just us getting a random movie each, and uh, we're going to make it that game design either based on the title or just the general idea of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, show me what's, what's on tonight, Trevor. Phantoms. Because as we know, Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. The bomb. 
In the peaceful town of Snowfield, Colorado, something evil has wiped out the community. And now it's up to a group of people to stop it, or at least get out of Snowfield alive. Ooh. Well, the movie I got, 1995's Major Pain. One of the Wayans people. Yeah. Um, I don't know which one. Damon. Uh, is it Damon Wayans? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Major Benson, winner for pain, is being discharged from the Marines. He's a killer machine, but the wars of the world are no longer fought on the battlefield. Uh, and so he basically is yelling at kids yeah. at his school, a military school. Um, so Phantoms, mm. I know, I, I kind of like the idea of waking up and it's just this snow-covered, beautiful, serene sort of mm-hmm. thing. And you just, you're the last person. Alive in the community, basically, it's mm. you, as you're walking through the through the town, like you're seeing bloodstained snow that's sort of yeah. around you. It's sort of like a um, you know, an investigatory game in the fact that you are literally the only person left yeah. alive, and you're not sure why you're the only one, and you can you're trying to figure out why. Can figure out why you're you're picking up, you know, the occasional um. Phone that has like text messages, and uh, text messages, or yeah. or you know uh, voice messages that were left. Yeah, I like that. Um, like a bit of a walking sim sort of thing, maybe with a bit more investigative sort of stuff, where you're actually sort of trying to solve in some way. Or I mean, or it could just be given to you via exposition as you go through, like and you figure this out based on environmental storytelling and stuff. Um, do you do you do maybe a bit of a firewatchy sort of thing where at some points you have someone that you're communicating with, or do you think you try to keep it? I mean, obviously that takes away a little bit from being the only person in the town, but I'm just Definitely trying to think of how half, you keep. Yeah, first half you need to be alone, it's just, and yeah. I think there's more tension in the fact that like you're hearing things going through these houses, and yeah. you know things things are being moved. Like, while while you're there, you know, you walk into a room and there's a vent that's obviously perfectly pressed up against. Yep. You walk into a room, you walk out and the vent is, like, laying down on the ground and you heard that noise as you were as you were searching stuff. And it's just these little, these these little, little horror things elements. of yep. just enough in the background that you don't know what's going on. You, just make it unsettling. You don't, you don't have to see anything. You can just, like, be experiencing mm. these things. And you can, you can actually have it that, you know, there's someone else alive in the town and they're afraid that you're you're going to you know sort of jump out and get they them. think you're a ghost or they they think that you're a whatever the hell this <laughs> is yes yeah, whatever's happened because i kind of like the idea of what if it was something came through the town wiped out the community and then left right yeah it's not that there's anyone anything there stalking you now it's just you are there in the aftermath and you survived for some reason and, you know, nothing in this town works. Like, none of the cars are working. You know, they're all completely frozen over and all this sort of mm. stuff. And Did, we, it's did all we, about- we do something like that once where, like, the entire Earth had been wiped out by something in a, in a just neutral way? Mm, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, what this is actually giving me vibes of, have you come across these, um, I think there's a series of games, or at least, I don't know if they're by the same people or just being released in a similar genre, of these, like, PS1 aesthetic horror games. Mm. Um, so, I know there's one where you play, like, a security guard, essentially, like, letting, like, having to check on cars that come through and letting them through. Um, but from what I gathered from something I read lately, that's sort of related to another game that's, like, a bigger thing where you're maybe working inside the building that that, that game is set up outside or something. Yeah. Um. But I could see that working with a bit of that 
PS1 aesthetic, like not full on. Like these games- they- It does have a very Silent Hill feel to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. And you don't have to go full on like, oh, only using tech that would have been, that would have run on PS1s. It's more just about like, it's relatively low poly, you know, you, you use certain post-processing effects to improve it, but like- the actual, yeah, the actual assets themselves are fairly low res and that sort of thing. Um, but it gives o- you some really nice vibes. Half Life One sort of. Yeah, you could do. Yeah, um, because there's something about that aesthetic that I really do like the the low res textures on the buildings and that, and that sort of stuff, but still made with with you know current tech and. Yeah, and if you give it enough care, it's it's sort of this thing where it's like, oh, this. Uh, evokes a certain type of building with it not actually having all the details of what that building would have, but you, the yeah, texture is good ha- enough at that. You don't have to go to th- to the level of okay, a building like this would have junk everywhere. You don't have to go to that level. You can yeah. go to the level of yeah, there's a there's a shelf that is sort of tipped over and some stuff is on the floor, but you don't have to go to the to the level. You don't of- have to have every little detail in there. And, and I, like- I remember going through uh, what remains of Edith Edith Finch yeah. and going. Oh my god! The amount of detail that yes. they had to put into this place, like I couldn't do it. Like as a, as a as a developer, like having to as put a developer, that much work I'm like, in. Yeah. oh my god, that's that's someone that I know, I'd, can I'd you like imagine to that give that busy work off to someone list else. Of assets and- of just things they needed for every single room in the, in games like that. No, yep. I agree. And I'm like the I don't want it to be bare bones, but also don't you got to almost look at. I keep on coming back to like a Metal Gear Solid, where mm. it felt like the entire world was filled out and had enough stuff, but really it was very very basic empty. Yeah, yeah. There's a had certain just amount, enough that it needed. There's a certain amount you can get away with with that sort of aesthetic, and and it does lend itself to you know hopefully making things easier to build. I mean, my my mind immediately goes to VR just because. Like mm. that walking simulator in VR of hearing something behind you. Wonder how it feels to be in VR in a PS1 era game. <laughs> I'm just, just saying it's a bad I mean, thing. I think that could be interesting. I've never played. I've never played a VR game that has that level of uh, like changes to the sort of general aesthetic, or like that's a that's a retroish game. In a sense, mm. um, that could be interesting. Could be. Um, cool. I think that's about it. Yeah, I think we will finish up there. Uh, if you would like to find our previous episodes online, go to podchaser.com slash pitstorm. If you'd like to find our previous episodes offline, I don't know, ask someone to burn you a CD and put it in your disc, man. I'm sure someone's got a disc drive. Perfect, perfectly valid way to listen. Uh, but yes, yeah, go to Podchaser, leave us a review. Uh, if you like this song that we play at the start and end of each episode, that song is called Man Defiance of the Album Containment Failure by the Baron Kuradust. Check it out. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I'm Rube Goldberg. The original Rube Goldberg machine was meant to deliver toast into my face.